We review the new releases, Independence Day Resurgence and The Shallows, and home entertainment correspondent Adam Long joins us to run down the June Blu-ray releases. It's time to get your geek on, everybody. Movie Geeks United starts right now. Thanks for joining us tonight. Movie Geeks United is on the air. A little bit later, we'll be joined by our home entertainment correspondent, Adam Long, and we'll go through all of the exciting June Blu-ray releases. It's always a fun time. But first, let's catch up on the past week. Jerry, did you go see the new Independence Day? Yeah, I don't remember what happened, but I did see it. Look, the Roswell crash in 47, the farmer who made contact drew the same circle. And every time I interview one of my patients and show them this, they all express the same emotion. Fear. And I don't think it's a circle. The night the ship turned on, I experienced the strongest vision I've ever had. And I drew this. That's incredible. How'd you decipher so much of their language? They were hunting us. We had to learn how to hunt them. I mean, they have talked about doing it since the first one came out. And as a lot of people know, if you watch, um, you know, every 4th of July, I don't know what the channel is that does it, but they just show Independence Day all day on 4th of July. Mm. Um, this movie will not join that movie in that regard. Um, oh, well, they, they, they won't mind playing it. Eventually, but yes. No, no, no. There's no, there's no reason to. Um, this movie, um, well, it's not. You know, it's not like like a how should we say a good bad movie. You know, or you know, it's not one of those. But it, it's just, like the like, original was. I don't even think well, the original see, was the original a good one, bad movie. No, no, the original <laughs> one is a fun. I, and I won't lie. I think it's a fun movie and everything. But you know, let's let's talk about the original movie for a second. It is not. It was poorly received. By critics and, and and audiences alike. I mean, it did very well. I despised it. People did not like it, though. It, it just over time, though, it, it did very well, and it, it just seeped into the public consciousness. So I won't lie. I, I thought the original was a lot of fun. And, I mean, if you go back, and, I mean, there's one particular movie, recent movie, that is very influenced by, and that's Pacific Rim. I mean, Pacific mm-hmm. Rim has all the same beats as the original Independence Day. Um, let's not... You know, we can't forget that. Also, a lot of um, a movie like Armageddon does as well. Um, yeah, but, so but Independence, Indep- Independence Day did have a lot of the beats of Irwin Allen disaster films from the 70s. Yes. So it wasn't it wasn't oh. a groundbreaking no, no, <laughs> enterprise. No, no, nothing groundbreaking about it, but it did catch on. Um, yeah, it, it did. It did catch on. This this one's just you know, it's recycling the original one. It's all you know. You could say it's almost a remake of the original one, but it just doesn't it, it, I hate it. it feels for a movie that 
I, I know they've thought about like making this for the last twenty years. It feels incredibly rushed. Why did they why did they take twenty years even to do it? I mean, like certainly waiting twenty years hampered their ability to get uh Will Smith back, uh in the thing. So they have a another actor playing his son, I guess. In the, yeah, yeah. But let's let's just say even if Will Smith was in this, if it, uh, you know, that 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 that's neither here nor there. Will Smith was in the wild, wild west. So let's not forget that. Um, that really having Will Smith in your movie is really um, can sometimes be a plus or a minus. Neither a plus or a yes, minus. Yes, of course. Yes. I mean, you know, so uh, this it's just, this movie was how should I say it? the original movie was so self-contained that you didn't need a sequel. There was no need for a sequel. There was mm. never a need for for a sequel. This even though they've talked about it off and on. They finally do it, and I gotta say, there's a certain cheapness to it, um, mm. uh, you know. And, and like I said, it feels rushed almost. But there's nothing. There's yes, there. So basically, you're saying yes, the aliens. They've been waiting 20 years, and I've you know to come back and and to try to annihilate us again. And they have all these little plot points, and you're just like, okay, yeah, all right, that's wonderful, that's great. Um, you know, you you can care less. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. no, there's no, you know, you say yes, you original, you got a hand of Roland Emmerich. You know, you watch that person and say yes, of course he he has like he loves her when Allen, and that's true of all of his movies. Uh, and there's a certain uh, sense. I mean, one thing about the original is that there is a certain sense that it knows that it's kind of a B movie, and yeah. that it's and that it and it kind of has a little bit of fun, uh, it has a little bit of fun with that. Oh yeah. Do you, do you sense that in this? No, I don't feel there's any sort of fun in it. I almost feel like this is a kind of paint by numbers film. I mean, mm. you're just trying to, I, you know, there's you, 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 in the mytho- in the mythology of the film, if you were, there's just not a lot of fun to be had here. Even though you, you know Jeff Goldblum has his moments and um, Bill Pullman certainly, but you're like at the end of the day, you're like. You watch, you know, this is true with a lot of recent sequels. It's just like, why bother? Why, why mm. bother doing this? You know, it's like this is this this film is going, this film is going to be forgotten. I think by the end of the month. Um, mm. Yeah. So I mean, why bother? I mean, didn't uh, it didn't do well this weekend, or did it? I think it. it well, there's no way it was going to be Finding Dory. I mean, I don't. I mean, you don't have to be, you know. A great odds danger to realize you're not going to be yes. a star film. Yes, obviously. Mm. Well, it did, uh, and, it and did Tarzan wasn't going to do anything. So. No. Well, that's next weekend, though. That's next weekend. Indep- oh, Independence okay. Day did uh, forty-one point six million, and Finding Dory did seventy-three something. If I'm reading that correctly. Oh, wow. Um, it's not going to set the house on fire, but. It'll recoup budget, I think. Its budget was oh, I, 165. I think, I think when, but if you go to the, this is like there's a lot of Chinese actors and actresses in the movie, so they're oh, yeah. they're hoping it they're they're hoping it does well in um, China, which I'm sure it will. I mean, I I would I mean I I don't think this movie will make a billion dollars, but I think it'll make like seven or eight hundred million, and it sets itself well. up for part three. So I mean, as long as it does well overseas, I don't see it 
I, you know, there's going to be another Independence Day movie coming in a couple of years. By that so. time, by that time, Will Smith's son's character will be all grown up as a middle-aged man, and he will be played by Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> well, we, we can only hope. We can only hope so. In another 20 years. No, he's a middle-aged man now. Oh, shit. No, it has to be played by somebody younger. Yeah. Uh, hey, I heard about The Shallows. That uh, I read a review of The Shallows on IndieWire, and they said, the best shark movie since Jaws. So I was trying to flip through my mind and think about how many shark movies there have been. Open Water. The Jaws open franchise. Water was open, a great shark and, movie. And, and that, was it. Open water. that was it. That was all I could think of was Open Water. Uh-huh. Oh, this is, this and is... Sharknado. Oh, well, that's, okay. yeah, you bring up a good point. That counts. <laughs> no. You, it didn't play theatrically, really, though, did it? No, no but it is—it's a—it's a you know kind of a phenomenon that movie. No, so. but if you take all the sci-fi shark movies, if you take Shark Week, the shark, the great white shark, especially, has been rent, has been neutered over the last twenty years. <laughs> the Shallows is actually a very well done movie. Gracias, gracias, señor. Y, um, no, 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 por favor. No, please, please, please. No, 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 we were going the same way. I live close by, so don't worry. Oh, are you sure? Yes. How are you getting out from here? Uber. Who is Uber? You could never put it in the same league as Jaws. And I don't know if you could put it in the same league as Jaws, too, to be very honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, that was not meant as a play. I think Jaws 2 is a very good movie. I don't. No, I, it know. is not. Oh, my God. Okay, let me. Okay, Jaws 2 is a good movie. Psycho 2 is a shitty movie. I'll just say that right now. <laughs> Don't change the subject. Jaws 2 is not no, a good movie. I think, I think the Psycho sequels are, are atrocious, but Jaws 2 is a good movie. It's like, hey, we got to make some money. Uh, we got one Sider. And one Sider acting in that movie is superb. I don't care what anyone says. When you're oh, in the fourth grade, God. when you're in the fourth and fifth grade, that. Oh, that's the the level you're judging it on? Well, for a fourth or fifth grader, it's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, but, but, but Dean, I do think Jaws 2 is actually uh, a good sequel. Well, I mean, Jaws 2 2 is is the Magnificent Ambersons next to Jaws 3D. (laughs) And the rest of them. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I mean... I'm, I'm still waiting for the Jaws 5 that is based on Quentin Indianapolis speech, okay? That, do, you remember, do you remember that they're talking about doing that in, like, 1996? Isn't that in the um, heart of the ocean? Isn't that what that is? Didn't they make a movie? That's what the that, I was going to say. Or, in the heart of the ocean is supposed to cover the no, Indianapolis. No, that's Moby Dick. Moby Dick is the heart that's of the Moby ocean. Dick. What's the, I mean, the longest no, hour no, no. is the they, Indianapolis. There is a movie coming up that's going to cover the... I just told the, you uh, what it was. The longest hour. It it's the... The longest okay. hour. Okay. Is my phone coming through? I can do perfectly, sir. Um, but can I talk? Yeah. That's the one with uh, Ben Affleck's brother uh, that just came out a couple of months ago. Uh, the Indianapolis Wait, movie. The... Okay. Wait, Are you sure about the... that? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. The one with Casey Affleck was the. Was the was the one about the shipwreck, the Coast Guard rescue of the shipwreck, right? Yeah, it wasn't about that. That has nothing to do with the Indianapolis. I mean, there, yeah. there are no sharks in that movie, as far as I know. So you're uh, wrong. 
the Casey Affleck one is not the Indianapolis one. The Indianapolis one has not come out yet. Here's a movie. Uh, <laughs> I guess this will all be cut out of the show. <laughs> U- U- USS Indianapolis starring Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage That's fends it. off sharks. Is that it? That's it. That's got to that's gotta be it. If Nicolas Cage is going to fight sharks, yeah, I mean. Oh, well, Jesus, that has no <laughs> chance of measuring up to Jaws. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can't do better than that. I mean, you couldn't do you couldn't write that. I mean, you know. <laughs> That could, it, it, Nicolas Cage will chew more scenery than that shark. I guarantee you. <laughs> it, which is too bad because the Indianapolis. There could be a good movie in that, but if it has, it's too bad too that that every time Nicolas Cage's name pops up in connection with the movie, your your immediate reaction is, oh, it's going to be bad. Well, That's it doesn't have to be that way, but it, unfortunately, in the last couple of years, it does. But uh, although I heard <laughs> the trust, the trust is supposed to be good. Yeah, and that is that the Paul Schrader movie? No, 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 no. no that's Dog You Dog. And that's that's another one that's supposed to be good with him in it. That's supposed to be superb. But I'm all right. Um, God, what was it? Um, shallow, oh, back to the shallows. No, the shallows is actually, in, in all honesty, was in in, in in a post Shark Week Sharknado environment. The shallows <laughs> is actually pretty good. Um. <laughs> Isn't it sad that we have to go because we have Shark Week now, which is just like made the shark like the laughing stock of the um of Has the it? Ocean. I mean I've never watched Shark Week. What happens? It's just documentaries on sharks, isn't it's it? It's mean... documentaries that idiots watch for the like last twenty years, but I mean I can't imagine there's anything new. I mean it's not like that Italian rip off movie Great White. Remember that? That they had the Oh yeah. That they remember remember that movie that Universal had like they took out of the theaters after three or four days, remember? Uh-huh. They sued I mean, we're not getting anything of that caliber. I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> how about how about uh, swimming with sharks? Now that's a great movie. I mean, you can't that's get probably the best shark that. movie for um, Jaws. <laughs> and then, of course, there was Shark Tale. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. The animated oh, film. You're really hitting the bottom of the Or the, the Great White too. Hope, or the Great White Hype, whatever that. Uh, well, that Sam was, Jackson. That's, that's a Samuel Jackson, and then one of the way. Um, the Rod the Shelton way, movie. Was it the Wayne Brothers? I mean, the boxing movie? Right. <laughs> no. And we're, we're thinking we're of that. Going... Aren't you thinking of that? What was that That Sam Jackson movie with the shark where he gets eaten by the shark? Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea. I mean, well, that was hilarious, by the way. That was that, that was a classic was, shark scene. One of the hell day. Day's finest moments of well, yeah. I mean, you, uh, could, you could you could misconstrue Great White Hype as a as a shark movie. I mean, it starts with Great White. Christ, <laughs> uh, Dean, hey, before can I, I bring on, about... yeah, before yeah. I bring on Adam, I, I want to ask you. I mean, Jerry saw one of the worst movies of the year in Independence Day, and you saw one of the best. What you consider to be one of the best? I do. I consider it to be one of the best. I'm surprised that I I really didn't <clears throat> find it in any other way, but just. Say, oh, this is this looks like a good cast, but no one's talking about it. Although generally it got good reviews on, uh, I did look it up on Rotten Tomatoes, and it got generally good reviews. But it's called The Phenom, uh, and it's a new movie by a director named Noah Bushell, uh, whose other movies I I know he's 
got a movie called Glass Chin, for instance, and a couple of others that have gotten, you know, moderate acclaim on the indie circuit. But this is the first movie of his that I've seen. I was pretty impressed by it. I thought that it was uh, pretty meticulously directed. It's about a major league player who's kind of a baseball player who's really basically just out of high school and he gets snatched up by the major leagues. Uh, But he suffers a kind of a pitching slump and uh, he starts going to a a sports psychologist played by Paul Giamatti and uh, and sort of uh, uncovers what he probably already knows, I think, that uh, it's really due to his uh, overbearing father who's played great, I mean, just just a superb performance by uh, Ethan Hawke, uh, just a really venal character. Uh, uh, and uh, the 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 pitcher is played by um, uh, Johnny Simmons, uh, and I know he's been in movies quite a bit. I know he's in Perks of the Wall, uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower, and and a few other things. But uh, I have really never noticed him uh, before this. Uh, and he's he's superb in it. You really need to toughen up. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. No, I don't need to toughen up because that's a stupid Survival goal. Survival of the fittest. Yeah, it's called social Darwinism, and you're scared that if you can't throw a ball perfectly, then the world will drop you. you think everybody's nice. Okay, well, that's not how it works. Everybody's using everybody all the time, period. Using me? Yes, I'm using you. Of course I'm using you. You're using me. That's how it works. You're a cute little oddball that I pass my time with. You think because you can throw a baseball that you're special in some kind of real slash non-secular way? Non-secular? What do you mean? What is that? Well, it doesn't... Worshipping these false American idols and people just buying into this Harry Potter syndrome, like wanting to lightning bolt on their forehead do you really believe in any of that because nobody is more special than anybody else i mean like duh and you know i i really want to go it's a very talky movie it's kind of a movie that has a lot of its action in the interior and it's like there's not a lot of baseball in it uh there's very few baseball scenes in it so don't be fooled into thinking it's going to be a, a baseball movie per se it's more of a uh, sort of a psych- uh, psychological drama, I guess, um, and uh, it's just—it's really, really well directed. Um, it's got—it's very—it's very talky. I mean, it's mostly just uh, you know uh, scenes of two people talk- talking, you know, one after the other, and that can be a little—it feels like a little too schematic, a little too worked out in that way, uh, but. Uh, uh still there's there's uh you know great scenes of you know um cinematic play in there and uh uh it, it's always it's always well directed it's got a nice song uh you know source music score that's kind of inventive and uh, a very very unusual ending that it's kind of one of those endings that it just sort of ends and it's the kind of ending that can piss some people off uh, uh, or if you like that kind of ending, that kind of, oh, that's the end, 
uh, it can thrill you. And for me, it, I thought it was thrilling because I thought it, I thought it ended at just the right place. Uh, but uh, I just, I thought it was superb. It's now on VOD and it's in theaters, mm-hmm. and absolutely nobody is talking about it. But uh, I thought I would. So no, no, that's uh, good. I, 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 w- I wish I would have watched that last night. Um, but um, has anyone seen the Neon Demon? Uh, I'm not going to go watch that. Uh, if I don't know. Uh, I'm going to have to wait for. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not a fan of that guy, of <laughs> Nicholas Reffin. Oh, I, think I know should, some people I think are. Everyone but. should go see it. I think everyone should go see the movie. I don't. You know, first of all, just because we've been talking about the Palmer for so long on this show, um, as far as misogyny goes, the Palmer's like been let off the hook. Um, <laughs> no, no. I, I want to say no. No, he has really been let off the hook. Any charges of misogyny that uh, that they've have really been just like, um, I don't think I've ever seen a more honest movie about women in Hollywood than The Neon Demon. Mm. Um, and I mean, I'm not being facetious. I'm being very serious when I say that. One of the things, all right, now that granted, this is about models, so it's a little bit different. But one of the things when you live in Hollywood, you live in Los Angeles. Actresses do not, they hate each other. They don't hang out with each other. I know in this Instagram age, they all like, oh, we're best buddies and everything. But truth be told, they're all going for that same piece of meat. Uh-huh. They're all sharks. And there's not much meat out there for them. There's not much so. meat. But it is very interesting. You to watch that in the shallows in the same day, um, the sharks and the neon demon are far more vicious. Mm. Far more vicious than that 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 shark that's going after Blake Lively. He's actually just seems like you know an old an old Dakota. Actually, he's just not doing much mm. of anything. But now, having said that, though, I I have to say this guy. I now I now I've seen Drive. I've seen only only God forgives, which is is unwatchable. I don't care what anyone says. I think only God forgives is a, a wretched movie. Um, there's another movie with Mads Michelson um, before Drive that is okay. But um, The Neon Demon is, how shall I say this, the 21st century answer to Claude Chabrol's Lace Bitches, but on a, no. an amount of crap that is so, so, you know, that you couldn't even imagine. But it, that's all I could think of while watching. Wow, this really reminds me of that Claude Sabral movie. Um, with, mm. with Jenna Malone in the, in the Stephanie Audron part. Mm. You know, his wife at the time. Um, yeah. I have actually seen that movie more times than many people have seen other movies. I, I can't tell you how many times i watched that movie just because it was rented and I've watched it online or I've watched it on Netflix. Um but there is that relationship. It's a great performance by Elle Fanning, but it's a sick movie. It's not for everyone. Is it a good movie? I don't know. And his hatred of women is so apparent from the first shot to the last shot. Um, I like. I, I'm not. I mean, I'm kind of. I know I sound like I'm being facetious about Brian De Palma, but really, as far as filmmakers go, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything as misogynistic as this. It sounds like I mean, a great movie for the anti-Ghostbusters crowd. Oh, they should all go see it. <laughs> Although I did see a trailer. I finally saw the newest trailer for Ghostbusters. And all I have to say is, you know, maybe the Chris Farley version wouldn't have been so bad. <laughs> no, no, not, not because I... Not, not because we got to bring out Adam. I, He's been on hold for a while. But, uh, oh, shit. 
Okay. I, I think those, those are all great actresses. It just seems like they get, they just seem like they recycled the first film from the last trailer I've seen. You know, so you yeah. recommend, like you recommend not, the Neon Demon. The you recommend the Neon Demon because it's misogynistic. I recommend <laughs> the Neon Demon because it's like unlike anything else anyone will watch this year. Okay. Well, I I would have to, Does it have a crushed head in it? Does it have a crushed head in it? Like like it, uh, Drive did? <laughs> no, but it's so sick. I mean, the guy. Is, I have to watch that documentary they made a year ago because I got to know what's going through this guy's mind. I mean, yeah. he sounds like he's he sounds like he's he's uh, he's he's a provocateur. Yes, that's pretty he's, uh, he's like the Antichrist, <laughs> Lars von Trier, like with a Giorgio Moroder score. <laughs> I can take that score right now. <laughs> yes. Hey, Adam. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, hey, what's up, man? Uh, just listening to your discussion as I'm waiting to come on. That's uh, I, that neon demon sounds. I've, I've been curious about that. I haven't gotten around to it yet, but boy, that sounds like uh, that sounds it's, like something. All right, it's it's something. <laughs> I I don't know what to, you know. I, you know what? And it's been two days since I watched it, um, Adam. And I, you know, I know you didn't like the lobster. You may you may rethink your opinion on the lobster as far as pretentious. <laughs> you may as far as Really, hey, the lobster is really, you know, like the like the good night moon of pretentiousness. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, a funny story about the lobster. One of my friends, he was, uh, he he's a big movie buff too, and he said, uh, so I'm reading Entertainment Weekly, and they're they're talking about uh, how much they love the lobster must see. And he said, then I pick up the paper uh, with your latest reviews. He goes, and I pick it up, and there it is. It says one star and a half. The lobster. <laughs> what a contrast. <laughs> That's 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 what you call a really divisive movie. Oh, it is. But those are, aren't those the best as a scene. You and I were. They are the best. Those are the best kind of movies, the divisive mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. Always. Yeah. Adam, I'm sure you have a list of divisive movies for us tonight, among <laughs> the June Blu-ray releases. Oh, yeah, the, aren't aren't they always though? <laughs> Yes, they now, are. Which, Guilty uh, which pleasures. Sequel, which, which sequel to Chud or, or do we have this month? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's probably something similar to it if if it's not actually there. Uh, Basket Case 2 and 3 are coming out in August. If that uh, is in the ballpark, I don't know. Damn it, so. i, I got to wait two more months for that. Sorry. I'm going yeah, to throw myself off my parents' roof right now. Um, <laughs> if I have to wait that long... <laughs> Interestingly, I have a story about Basket Case Three. It's it's not oh a long story, God. but I used to. Well, it was filmed in Atlanta. You know, the director filmed it here, uh, and uh, uh, I guess one of my uh, former roommates who had a really huge loft space. Um, I guess he worked on on the production or something. So when the production was over, there was a there's a scene in the movie uh, that has a lot of you know uh, freakish uh, freakish characters uh, traveling around in a bus, and so they had a set the set of a bus, you know, uh, all uh, you know the interior of a bus, and he took the bus set and uh, put it in his loft space. So. I've spent much time in the in one of the sets in <laughs> in Basket Case Three. I know that's oh. not, that's a weird story, but 
Not at all. It's Howie true. for you. That's <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really have an ending. It's not much of a story. So. <laughs> okay, Adam, what, well, what do we anyway. got? Uh, I'm ready to start entering uh, the Blu-rays. into. Uh, by the way, I got to tell everybody, every title we talk about tonight, you can purchase off of our website. If you go to our homepage, moviegeeksunited.net, the very top, there'll be a link where you can click to our Blu-ray store and purchase all the titles that we're discussing tonight. Isn't that great? That yes, is. Full service. And do we get any kind of kickback on that? Hell no. <laughs> God damn it. Jesus Christ. No, I will, I will you tell can't you, make a month, dime in this business. No, last, month we, really... last month we made $2.25. Thank God for uh, so this would be a good time to ask people to send in donations. <laughs> that doesn't work either. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Adam. Oh, it's man. all up to you now. <laughs> okay, our, our, well. Our financial future is in your hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a scary thought. <laughs> can we raise well, another two? I feel like I'm hosting a telethon. Adam, can you help us raise another $2.25? <laughs> I'll do my best, but no guarantees. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, well, we will start out on a high note, though. Um, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, the director's cut, uh, has been issued on Blu-ray, and it's forthcoming on 4K as well. So uh, that's, a nice, uh, that, that's, that's a nice title, so we can kind of get excited it? about that, I believe. Have you seen this version? Or I, got, I can't remember if I've ever seen the director's cut of... Well, it's essentially the version that ABC television ran in their network slot uh, years ago. Uh, there were four minutes that uh, Nicholas Meyer added to the mm. film, and it's 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 mostly character stuff, you know, just kind of enhances. It, it's good. I mean, it's good, I, I think. Uh, I don't know Dude, that it's, it's really... Movie, it's the best Star Trek film there is. I mean, it, it, it is yep. the gold standard. It's the gold standard yeah. of sequels for the most part, too. I mean, yeah, you know, the, the the other the other month when MegaCon was going on, William Shatner was one of the guests there, and so that he did a presentation. And I swear, it's almost as though he was making fun of people being so rabid to see him, because the first twenty minutes, and you can find it online. The first 20 minutes, he starts talking about how to find the best seafood in L.A. and how it doesn't <laughs> compare to – how it compares favorably to to like the Italian food you get in L.A. is is just as good if not better than what you get in Italy. And he was going through all these entrees, and I was like, are you ever going to talk you know, geeky stuff? It almost seemed purposeful on his part. But then he did share a story about uh, knowing Ricardo Montalban back from the early days of his career and uh, what, a, what a powerful actor he was. And he mm. really does make a difference in Wrath of Khan. I mean, having such a, like a yeah. forceful presence yeah. and a classically trained actor in that role. Have, have you true. guys ever heard the prank phone call where the guy does the impression of, uh, he calls um, George Takai, and uh, he is doing an impression of Ricardo Montalban, and he falls for it? Uh, I'm sure you can get <laughs> <Wow>. that. <laughs> did you, did really you ever see the... Uh, did you see the Howard Stern show with the fake Arnold Schwarzenegger would call in and talk talk about <laughs> not passing gay gay marriage? And he got a fight with him. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. 
Yeah, that, that's all good right. stuff. He's very gullible. He is very gullible, yeah. and so uh, they play on that. And this guy, he does a pretty good impression of Ricardo Montalban. I mean, it's decent, but he falls right for it. <laughs> he goes for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Oh, <laughs> really man. good. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube or something. But uh, anyway, so uh, The Martian, I know this is a fairly recent title, but it's worth mentioning because, um, and I think uh, Ridley Scott does this quite a bit, and he's doing it again. There's an extended edition of The Martian, and uh, it's 15 minutes longer. But I haven't gotten a chance to look at it yet. But I heard that it, the, the 15 minutes actually makes it a better film. I, I, that's what I'm I'm gathering that it really but does. But it wasn't enhance. a bad film when it came out. It's no, those, no. I, I have to say it's one of the films that's actually far superior to the book it's based on. Yeah, I, I, it really is. I mean, it's a really it's it's it is a I, it is one of the biggest crowd pleasers of last year. Um, it really, I, I can't say, I mean, the audience is really into it, and it's just a real crowd pleaser of a movie. Um, yeah. So what well, they, I hope they didn't add what? another scene, I hope they didn't add another scene of uh, the NASA guys la- laughing and clapping at how clever they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, we 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 really need that. Um, we could, yeah, I think it had like five of those in that in that movie. That really helps the crowd really get into it. Everybody smiling no, and no, patting each other on the back and clapping. It's one of really Scott's better movies in recent years. I mean, yeah. But, you know, I, I, so I, just, I just liked the Martian, the the Mars part of it. I hated all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And when I say hated, I hated, hated, hated it. Like I hated it. Like <laughs> Roger Ebert hated North. Thank you. I realized. Thank you. We got that. We got well, that movie really benefits from Matt thank Damon you. being in it. You know, I was re- yeah. I was reading a. Uh, I wasn't reading it. I was watching this HBO promo for this Bill Simmons show. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's giving this monologue in front of the camera, and he and he's telling his opinion about certain things. And he says, and he's of the opinion that every movie starring Leonardo DiCaprio would be just a little bit better if it were Matt Damon instead. <laughs> and I started, I started to think about that, and I was thinking, huh? I said, well, that doesn't fix The Departed, but I like DiCaprio, but I, I kind of agree with him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I I think DiCaprio is perfect in in Wolf of Wall Street. I wouldn't want anybody yeah, else yeah. in that. that no, movie. no one else. No one else. Uh, yeah. He's perfect but, in that movie. But I just thought I would mention that uh, there is an extended edition, and I, and I also want to mention this too. We were talking about Star Trek too, and I got sidetracked. I wanted to mention that uh, it's, it's a really odd thing that uh, Paramount they made an announcement about it. If anybody has purchased this disc. Uh, there's a sequence, uh, I think it's like in the first 30 to 45 minutes, where um, there's, there's like a, a, a scene with, speaking of uh, uh, Takei, uh, Sulu is seen in the same shot. The, sa- the same shot is replicated, that when they were doing putting the movie, I guess when they were somehow putting it onto the disc, they accidentally replicated the same shot twice. So you see, and it's a very odd thing that I'm, I've, uh, and apparently they've recalled the discs, so if you have one, wow. uh, you can get online and look that up, and they'll replace that disc do you, for do you. you. Like, do you, like, take it to a Blu-ray mechanic or something, and they'll fix yeah, it for you? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> something like that. Maybe they have their own in-house. But uh, uh, no, there's, 
there's actually some some new documentaries on there too, so it, there's more to it than just the, the director's cut. But anyway, we'll move along to another title. Uh, the and I know we normally don't do television stuff, but uh, this this one I think is worth mentioning. The complete original Roots has been issued by Warner Brothers, and that's pretty. That's always been pretty impressive, and I think it pretty well st- it still holds up. Uh, but they've done a nice job uh, putting that out there in a nice little package. And um, so anyway, that's Warner that's Brothers, good. and yeah, it it, it definitely deserved a, a release. And Warner's also has been busy with some other things. Uh, she wore a yellow ribbon. Uh, they they put that out in the month, and they were expendable. And those are, also, that's one of that's one of John. Both of those are great John Ford. Uh, pieces, yeah. but I love. They were expendable. It's one of the best uh, World War Two movies, and and also strange because it has, it doesn't have that sort of rah rah kind of thing going for it. It's it's rather downbeat. So uh, yeah. So it, it's it's interesting to check out. Yeah, those are those are good good films. Uh, also, Vic, Victor Victoria. Uh, is mm-hmm. um, that's being issued, and you know, we, I know you guys were talking about Blake Edwards on last week's show, and uh, I think Jerry mentioned that, that he got an honorary Oscar, even in spite of the fact that his career was so um, uneven. I Up guess we should say, <laughs> but yeah. you know, this was the film I think that he got the Oscar nomination for, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if he did, he get did. One, yeah, I, I think he got it. I think he got a screenwriting oh, nomination for it. Yeah. Look, is it? Look, he made one of the best movies about Hollywood, SOB. I mean, yeah. SOB is a superb. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I mean, I'd even willing to be saying that's even better than any of the early King Panther movies. Um, you know, that's a very. I mean, and a, and a, and a tour de force performance from William Holden. Um, mm-hmm. But that before the player. Yep. Um, yeah. That's really one of the great, like you know, movies about Hollywood. Um, yeah, and then you wonder, and then you wonder where the hell did Wait Until Dark come from? Like, uh, I mean, that's that's a stunning movie. Hey, uh, is this like the 35th anniversary of Victor Victoria or something? Because they're reissuing it on every format. Is that why? Uh, well, it came out in '82, so it, it barely misses the cut. I mean, it's like 34 years. Huh. So mm. the soundtrack's being reissued on vinyl too. Yeah. I don't know what it is that, about this yeah. year. But uh anyway, yeah, there's some there's some good Blake Edwards stuff there and I think that that one goes down with with uh, one of the better. Edwards, I'm do, a big fan uh, of the Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, did he really do Wait Till Dark? I I didn't know that that was him. Yeah. Uh, didn't he? Uh, I don't think I he think did. I think that's Terrence Terrence Young, I believe directed Terrence that. Terrence Young. Wait until dark is the movie about the Indianapolis. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> oh Again. my god! Uh, we're going to that. It, it, it so, is, but, uh, it is yeah, that's young. Why did I think yeah. that was Blake Edwards? Because yeah. it's got Audrey Hepburn in it, and he did Breakfast yeah, at Tiffany's, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, but um, uh, but but you remember he started off his career doing. Uh, mostly dramatic stuff like uh, you know Days of Wine and Roses, and of course Peter Gunn and and uh, Experiment in Terror. I'm gonna have to edit the hell out of this show. (laughs) 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 Oh my! It happens to all of us. That's for sure. Yes, happens to all of us. But uh, 
Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the party, actually. I just think, uh, even though it kind of runs out of steam towards the end, I think that has some of the best sight gags. It's just incredible. It is fun. Funny and it is fun. Up. It's unusual, too. It's, 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 yes. It's a very unusual movie, The Party. Uh, I'm a fan and, of Bachelor uh, Party. Did he did he direct that? Was that a play? <laughs> he didn't do Bachelor <laughs> Party, but Bachelor so Party does have some big laughs in it. Yes, it does. Uh, yes. But okay. the party is, uh, yeah. They they talk about that uh, that how politically incorrect it is, you know, because you have Peter Sellers in that uh, dark makeup portraying an Indian right. and uh, a Native American. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's not a that. Native American. He's an actual. He's an actual Indian in it. Yeah, that's Indian, right. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a real Indian. That's right. <laughs> My he's God, not, this thing's gonna he's be. He's a real Indian. Rhythm. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll keep yeah. that. Oh, <laughs> It's been a uh, while since I've seen it, but <laughs> well, anyway. Okay. Uh, so Shrek: The Complete Collection. I guess now oh. that is a fifteenth anniversary because the first one was two thousand one. So uh, they're putting out a box another, there with all the Shreks. Yep. Another another thing I kind of despise. <laughs> I know I'm alone, uh, but I no, kind of hate after it. After the first one, who the hell gives a shit about Shrek? <laughs> I do love Eddie Murphy's uh, performance in no, no, the, in the first he Shrek. Jackass, but I mean, you know, who the hell cares about Shrek after the first one, the novelty of the first one? I mean, does Shrek two and Shrek three really have fans? I mean, well, I mean, you know, I I would imagine you know there's there's loads of you know six and seven year old fans. I mean, are these the same people that go for like the later Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth movies? I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And it's probably now that it's 15th anniversary, uh, that means all of those 10-year-olds that loved it back then already had their own kids, so now they can foist their... They can their, poison them further. They can, they can foist their horrible memories onto them. Oh, my God. Dean, you're really <laughs> depressing me right now. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. Uh, well, enough... This this one's in a totally different uh, ballpark, I guess you would say. The Best Intentions. Uh, oh, I love by, that. Yeah, Ingmar Bergman wrote it, but did not direct. It was when yeah. he was on his directing sabbatical. Uh, when he he came wanted back, to direct know. it. I mean, he had the best intentions, but he just couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, uh, <laughs> but that's the, uh, that's the kind of the story of how his mother and father met. Uh, I think in um, Billy August, another Swedish director, is the director of it. Yep. It's very, very good. It's true. Well, how about the Five Thousand Fingers of Doctor T? Yeah, uh, that's 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 a that's a masterpiece. A yeah, masterpiece. That one's, uh, I don't know. If, yeah, it's uh, Roy Rowland is the director. It's based, that's of course, right. on the Doctor Seuss. Uh, the Dr. Seuss. Uh, well, I don't know if it's based on one of his books, but it's definitely a Dr. Seuss script. Uh, mm-hmm. Theodore Geisel, and uh, um, just an amazing performance by uh, Hans Conried as as uh, as Dr. T, who's there to teach. Uh, well, it's basically a fantasy, uh, a dream film, basically. Uh, where the kid uh, who doesn't want to take piano lessons falls asleep and has a dream that he's being terrorized by his piano teacher, uh, and is in a Which fantasy world. This is this is Five Thousand Figures of Doctor T. Oh, 
he basically fantasizes that he has a dream about being terrorized and being caught in a uh, sort of a fantasy world with a thousand other kids that are playing this one huge piano. So hence the five thousand fingers of Doctor T, and uh, uh, it's it's uh, it's superb. It's a great movie. It's a great title for a yeah. porn film too. <laughs> <laughs> like the porno gynecologist kind of. <laughs> Very good. But uh, well, we were talking about uh, the John Wayne films. A couple of his efforts from the seventies. Uh, Warner Brothers is also issuing those McHugh and Chisholm. So uh, <laughs> what's that last one? There you go. I'm, I'm waiting for the joke for Chisholm here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been wanting Chisholm. to see McHugh. Actually, that's one of them that I've been curious about. Is yeah, it, that's uh, the one where he's, uh, that's he's the one he's, he's in L.A. in that one, right? Yeah, he's it's a would-be like Dirty yeah. Harry, I think, in that one. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And then yeah, Brannigan yeah. was another one where he was in he was in Britain. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so that's that's a very odd job. John Wayne in Britain. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was he was really branching out there in the seventies, uh, trying to <laughs> some new things. You got to give him credit for for you know trying to do some of those type of movies. That it's once, true. I guess that was once once he his his management team probably said, "Look, Duke, the Western is dead. You got to move on." You know, so yeah, so I guess that's what he did. Kept on keeping on. Mm-hmm. Well. uh Criterion has issued La Amici, uh, Michelangelo Antonioni's film from 1955. Wow. And so that's... I've never seen that one. Yeah, I haven't either. Uh, It's it's one of my blind spots in the Antonioni uh, canon. But uh, anyway, so um, moving right along here, uh, we had a a really big release day on June 14th. So this was just a lot of stuff to discuss here and <laughs> some that will spur some good discussion. Uh, starting with Airport, the complete collection, which contains all four Airport films in one box set. <laughs> and I know you love that, right? I had to get it the day it came out. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. You are absolutely. Universal does not typically send me their catalog titles, unfortunately. Uh, so this is one that I just—I had a little credit with them, and I said, "I'm there. I am absolutely hey, there." I mean, how many airport movies were there? There's four, four of them. We yeah. four of them. Airport so there are four airport five. movies on four airport movies on Blu-ray for seventeen ninety-nine. Absolutely, yeah, it's a great deal. Yeah. <laughs> well, Do you still once, feel like you overpaid. You, once you get to once you get to airport seventy-nine, you're going to be wanting wanting them to pay you. Yeah, but the Airport 77 is Jimmy Stewart's last screen roll. So, I mean, let's not. Actually, that's not true. Wait, wait, wait. Magic of Lassie. The Magic of Lassie. Yeah. Wait, he was in the Magic of Lassie? Did did Lassie fight him? Yeah, that was his last (laughs) big screen roll. Wait, when did the Magic of Lassie come out? Wait a second. 78. I'm 78. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. That's bullshit. I'm premiering these always being apology then when they do this <laughs> filmography because they have they have the magic of Lassie before Airport nope. 77. Oh my what god. What a, what a Yeah. But he was well, on the well, anyway. Show with, he was that on the show for years to come. 
It, that just goes to prove that it's not all the wonderful life. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, you oh, would have been better well, off with dying in a plane in 77, but okay. <laughs> so, the, so there's 79 <laughs> airport movies. That's amazing. 79 <laughs> airport movies. <laughs> Well, you know, the, the the fourth one, you know, one of my colleagues and I, we, we were talking about, you know, it's a terrible film, obviously, but it's terrible in, in an Ed Wood-type way. Uh, right. You know, because you got your all-star cast and the plane, there's one sequence where the plane flies upside down and John Davidson's hair sta- stays in place when the, when the plane is flying upside <laughs> God down. God bless and, him. God yeah, bless you, and, Davidson. And you just can't. The hairspray you know, was I, strong back then, so. Yeah, yes. And, uh, you know, it's like whenever the plane gets in trouble, uh, Martha Ray's in the bathroom every time. That's a running gag in the film. And she comes out of the bathroom and the plane's in disarray every time. <laughs> it's like, More you know, like... But, but you and I talked, Dean, you and I talked about uh, why didn't they reboot airport the airport films when George Kennedy was still alive because they could have, because he's in all of them and he was the air traffic controller that always helped get them back safely. And we said, you know, why not reboot it and have him as this air traffic controller who never can retire because every time he starts to retire, they have some sort of disaster. And he <laughs> right, exactly. But uh, yeah, yeah so. I mean, they, you know, the first airport is kind of dull, I think, uh, yeah. but it's got some interesting things in it. Like, I mean, it's just kind of fascinating to look at. They were they were still making those kind of movies, that kind of look of a movie. I mean, it yeah. looks like it comes right out of the middle of the '60s, but it's 1970. It uh, and uh, it's got some split screen stuff that I kind of like. And and I I know that, uh, Helen Hayes won the Oscar, but it's really Maureen Stapleton who's really the better act supporting actress in it. And uh, she she plays the wife of the. Of the bomber that's supposedly on the plane, and uh, is that the one where it, Dean Martin is the pilot? That's yes. the one. Yeah, that Dean Martin took, and uh, Jacqueline Bassett looking. Yeah, that movie took forever to get started. I mean, I kept. It does. I, I was it does. watching it for an hour, and I was like, "When does this start kicking in?" <laughs> yeah, it is just like if you're if you're expecting a disaster movie, like as they were later on, uh, what you get is a lot of soapy stuff. For a long time before the yep. action actually starts, and uh, it's it's never really an exciting movie, but it was a massive hit. Uh, and yeah. uh, and then uh, seventy five is also uh, pretty bad, I think, uh, pretty poor. Uh, and uh, I guess out of the four, seventy seven with Jack Lemmon in the lead yep. might be the best one, uh, or maybe, I don't know, maybe Airport. I think you're right. One, but but I, I, yeah, I, I would agree with that, because that's the one I saw in the theater, so yeah, I'd go with that one. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> cast. Christopher Lee's in that, and Darren McGavin, and uh, Brenda Vaccaro, and of course you mentioned James Stewart, and this it's really, there's a lot of great actors in that, and I think Robert Foxworth, too, so there's a lot of... Yeah. Good, good, good talent there. But uh, all the yeah, all the stars, all the stars from the that all the major legends from that time are represented. Uh, did the, is the unknown comic? Is he one of the cast members from the Gonzo? Very Langston. Wouldn't that have been great if the unknown comic had been in it? That would have been fantastic. <laughs> it would have been when the plane goes upside down. His ba- the bag doesn't fall off. You know, <laughs> yeah. off of his head. 
Well, you know, seventy-five is the one that they that the Zucker brothers took so much material from that they used in an airplane. You know, that's the yeah. one with the uh, singing nun, and that's the one yeah. with the. Uh, well, there's just I, I can't even remember what all, but there's quite a few things they take from that one and just uh, rib on them in the air, right. airplane. So, yeah. So anyway, but moving on to another one. Uh, how about Black Dog with uh, Patrick Swayze as a truck driver? From uh, <laughs> oh yeah oh god I remember that one oh my me that, wait, too. they they were they found a negative for that oh my god <laughs> they did they did uh, I think I think when Meatloaf collapsed on stage last week he was thinking about that film Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor Meatloaf how is he doing by the way is he is I haven't heard anything else other than he collapsed I, I think he's fine he's, doing. he's fine. He started bleeding, okay. and it looked like ketchup on meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> good. Very good. Yeah. God. Well, uh, we have. Sorry. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> done laughing good. at myself. Hey, God. Okay. That was good. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. What about okay. Conan? Conan the Complete Quest, which is both of the Conan films with Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course, and uh, the latter of which is directed by Richard Fleischer, who keeps coming up in our conversations here. Yes. Is that that guy was everywhere. everywhere. I the mean, second one? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The That's, same guy that directed uh, was, Man, yeah. Mandingo yeah. and the jazz singer with Neil Diamond and <laughs> Fantastic <laughs> Voyage. and something. <laughs> Yeah, he was. He was all over the place. Soylent Green. You could keep on naming them. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, Gold from 1934, and I hate to say it, but I'm not really familiar with that one all that much. But um, here comes Mr. Jordan, uh, Criterion, put that out. Of course, that later became Heaven Can Wait, uh, directed by Warren Beatty, uh, that he remade that, uh, later. That original is is superb. It's it's mm. really really great. It's got yeah. a lot of it, it's it's a, um, it's funnier than the remake. You know, I know the remake is a little bit more popular. Although that's it's uh, Heaven Can Wait is not a movie that people talk about or even remember that Warren Beatty did, and, and of course he co-directed it with uh, Buck mm-hmm. Henry. Uh, but uh, but uh, I well, would highly highly recommend, yeah. huh? Well, he yeah. Kind of, I mean, that's what the that's what the credits say, anyway. Yeah, you can't, well, co- did, you can't co-direct that... anything with Warren Beatty. Um, <laughs> Warren Beatty wanted to safeguard himself, so he didn't want to go out there on a limb by himself in case he failed. But essentially, I mean, he oh, took I... over the thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's so, interesting. Uh... There, is yeah. there is there any is there any report on what what Buck Henry actually did? Did he did he do any directing at all in it? Yeah, or? it's it's in the it's in the Peter Biskin the yeah. Warren Beatty book. Uh, he interviews Buck Henry for it. So. Okay. Yeah, you you detect a little animosity there uh, from Buck Henry. I think reading between the lines when I was reading that, from what I recall. So. <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So. Anyway, uh, so also Universal, not only did they release Airport, the complete collection, um, they also opted to release the remaining titles in the Jaws series the yeah. same day. Jaws 2, 3, and Jaws the Revenge, and 3 uh, has now been issued in 3D for the first time ever. 
uh, officially, and it's in the real D, I think, 3D, the new 3D technology, not the old. So I think it's been upgraded. Uh, mm. um, so, so you they, can uh, finally see that fantastic shot when they <laughs> blow up the shark again and the jaws actually are floating in the water and come up to the screen. You can see that fantastic, <laughs> wonderful shot. Hey, I was I was nine years old when that thing came out in the theater, and I saw it opening weekend Jaws 3D, and you know, faced with that uh, severed fish head at the very beginning before the opening credits mm-hmm. start, and, it, uh-huh. and then and then I rewatched it uh, a year or two ago on regular television, and all of those <clears throat> 3D movies from the 80s, they all look so damn blurry in their in their transfers on TV, like uh-huh. yeah, uh, they're so awful looking. But it took when the shark right before the shark like crashes through the tank and kills Lou Gossett and all that. Uh, it took forever for that shark to touch that glass. <laughs> I mean, it's like the lamest suspense sequence ever because the shark is not moving. Yeah. Oh man, I'm trying to stretch get, it out. <laughs> I don't think I've seen it in thirty years since it. Uh... Well, closer to 35 years since it was on HBO originally. I think that's the last time I ever saw it, so I don't remember a whole lot. But anyway, I, saw so, in, I saw it on the big screen in 3D. Yeah. Jeepers <laughs> Creepers 1 and 2. So speaking of franchises, Scream Factory has opted to do Jeepers Creepers 1 and 2 in separate, not together, but separately. So each one has a has its own release. So, okay. <laughs> Good, good. So there you are. So, Officially, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's strangest credit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I would say so. So, and we'll get into the Twilight Time stuff now. Uh, the Twilight Time uh, titles were issued that same day that all these other things were came out. And that day, they opted to release um, uh, Rollerball, which is an actual reissue. They... Uh, sold that one completely out, and they reissued that one, the original okay. Rollerball, not the McTiernan. Uh, let's make that clear. And, uh, yeah, the Norman Jewish and Rollerball, the actually good Rollerball. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, Romeo is bleeding, with mm. uh, of course um, Gary's uh, with um, uh, Gary Oldman. L- L- Gary Oldman, it's yeah, and Lena Olin. Anyway, yes. uh, in, in Hound of the Baskervilles, and we're talking about the Hammer version with uh, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, and uh, the member of the wedding. That's with Julie Harris, of course, based that's on great. Carson McCullers. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, uh, great. The, that's a, uh, it's Julie Harris and Ethel Waters. And, uh, just, and Brandon DeWild. And yeah. Brandon DeWild, right. It's a, it's a Fred Zinnemann movie. Kind of... Kind of stagey, but kind of in a fascinating kind of way. Uh, beautiful black and white photography, and Julie Harris is is superb in it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I reacquainted myself with it again the other night. I hadn't seen it in forever, and it's it's it holds up pretty well. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, got a uh, the Panic in Needle Park. Uh, the Pacino, of course. Uh, and all of these Kid. have. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say Kitty Wynn, uh, who was, I guess she's she's the Kitty Wynn was the woman who was uh, in in 
helping Ellen Burstyn out in the house in uh, The Exorcist, and it's the only other movie I've ever seen her in. But she's she's great. She actually won Best Actress at the Cannes Film Festival for Panic yeah. in Needle Park, but somehow well, it she... didn't really translate into a big career. Well, she didn't well, want a career. Didn't... She she left movies. Oh uh, yeah. Today, I think she... Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I think she married and uh, just opted out. But she is an exorcist, too. Let's not forget about that. Yep. So. That precipitated wow. her exit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I was watching Panic in Needle Park again, and I was I was thinking about her. I thought, you know, I wonder what would have happened if she had gone on and pursued her career and, you know, what kind of roles. It, it makes you wonder. But yeah. anyway... Uh, but, but yeah, but if you're a fan of that movie, there's some great documentaries on the disc as a bonus. So I would okay. highly recommend uh, anybody who hasn't who's a fan of that. But and one more Twilight Time title, and I'll be interested to see if any of you guys have seen this one or are aware of it. Uh, Inserts from 1975, which is um, directed by John Byram and stars uh, Richard Dreyfuss as a porn movie direct, a stag film director in the 1930s. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not a, not, a, not right. a great movie. Yeah, no. it's a, it, yeah, it, it's uh, but it is a it, it's a weird uh, well it's a weird entry into his catalog. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah, I've I've never watched it, but uh, it doesn't sound very good to me. Well, isn't it? No. And I was watching it, and there's absolutely no reason for it to still be X-rated. But wasn't it X-rated for a long time? Or or it was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah, and the 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 Twilight Time version is uh, actually I don't think it's ever been seen in the states because it was trimmed to 99 minutes uh, by United Artists uh, when it came out, and they were trying to capitalize on the success of Jaws, of course, and you know the name. And uh, but the original British version was 117 minutes, which is the one they put out. Uh, So. I don't know. I, I just I found it hard to get through it. I, I'll be honest. I just couldn't yeah. quite make it to the end of it. It was pretty painful. So that's bad. Uh, that's that's always a great sign for a movie. Okay, but but it's a wonderful cast. I mean, Veronica Cartwright, and you got uh, Jessica Harper, and you got Bob Hoskins, and it's just it's good good cast there. But just not much not much going on. Uh, but anyway, um, so that and then we have. Uh, Something big, Kino Lorper decided to put that one out. Um, what is that one? That's what a movie Dean to Martin. pair up with inserts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> is this a sequel, the unofficial sequel to Big? I mean. <laughs> Something big. Uh, now, this is the one with, uh, it's it's Dean Martin. Um, it's, God, it's he's one getting of those... a lot of names tonight. I mean, my God, Dean Martin's getting more play than anyone tonight. I mean. Yeah, he Some things really never is. change. <laughs> well, I'm glad. No, I'm, I'm happy for him. I mean, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, it's ni- Dean Martin and Brian Keith, uh, Andrew uh, McLaughlin, um, 1971. I, I, Sounds I, like a Western. Yeah, yeah really. I mean, it is. It is. It is a Western? Okay. Yeah, so uh, anyway, but um, uh, June 21st, uh, we're going working from the first of the month and going backward. But here's a couple of titles for you. How about Roller Coaster from 1977 in Sense Around, which the Sense Around track has been retained for the Blu-ray release. I must. Add. Wow. 
So, so what does that mean? Does that mean that you can have sits around in your home if you have the right equipment and stuff? Well, that seems weird. Well, supposedly it works on a standard uh, home theater system. It just registers on your system as a three point one. You know, uh, most modern soundtracks <laughs> called the Richter scale. <laughs> well, yeah, Jeez, there you go. Right. <laughs> No, the, the the Blu-ray the Blu-ray comes with a little immigrant boy who will blow in your face while you're watching the movie. Oh God! Oh my God! Oh God! But I do have to say this about Roller Coaster: it is I, I don't know if it's just nostalgia or something. It's it's it's, it's kind of a bad movie, uh, but there is something. I, I watched it again just recently, and I said, you know, there is it is exciting, and. Uh, uh, Timothy Bottoms plays a really good, uh, uh, crazy, crazy mad bomber in yeah. it. And uh, if anything, maybe I could. I've just never really cottoned to uh, George Siegel as a leading man in movies. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, I, I think that he's sort of miscast in it, really, but. Um, but it's actually it, it it is an interesting movie and uh, it has a it has a really great climactic scene and mm-hmm. all the roller coaster stuff is good in it so yeah and a good score by Lalo Schifrin your uh, who you yeah recently, our buddy so. <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah that's worth it for that so I don't think that score ever made it officially uh, I don't think it was an official release it may have turned up uh, in, on a compilation or something here. But I know when the film came out, you couldn't find it uh, anywhere, and I, I was I kind of liked it when it came out. But anyway, um, so we have a couple other things here. The unsinkable Molly Brown from mm. Warner Archive. Uh, right. That. Debbie Reynolds and, uh, and uh, Debbie Reynolds and Carol Channing. Right. Yep. Yeah. They were and, both uh, nominated for Oscars for it. Yeah, that's that's true. Well, this is the same Molly Brown that uh, Kathy Bates portrays in the uh, the the Cameron version of Titanic. I think that's the same. Yes. Person. It's a musical, and, right? It's a musical. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. So I've yeah. never seen it. Somebody roller made coaster. A, 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 <clears throat> the soundtrack to Roller Coaster was issued in 1977 oh, wow. on LP. Uh, you can buy it. Up. For three dollars and seventy three cents. I was gonna say I think I, I think I've seen that soundtrack at my local uh uh used record store. I don't know how I overlooked that because I'm usually on top of soundtracks. Maybe I just wasn't looking hard enough. But Adam, anyway, I'm I'm tell find you. it out, I'll, I'll pick it up for you. Hang on, wow. we're, we're gonna take well, a we're gonna take that. a short minute long break here because Adam, I gotta tell you. Yeah. Yesterday I went to the world's largest record store in St. Pete. Wow. Three three million records in a warehouse. You would freak out looking at their soundtrack aisle. They have tens of thousands of titles, like five copies of each title. It is unimaginable. <laughs> I gotta make so, a road trip, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, that's well I thought Amoeba was nice, but that sounds like they got them beat all to pieces. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely got them beat, yeah. Yeah, because I I spent uh, an entire afternoon at Amoeba, and I bought yeah. oh I came out with a bag full of stuff there. I mean I just stuff like John Barry's The Dove, which I've never even seen the film, but I'm such a John Barry fan. <laughs> stuff like that. But, yeah, 
It's like I can't I I can't not. I think I had picked up Mary Queen of Scots and but yeah, that sounds awesome. That's another John heaven. Barry. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was on a key. I even got this one from '71. You remember Red Sky and Morning, which has never been issued on video with Richard Thomas. That was like a yes. Yeah, it was uh, Billy Goldenberg. I think did the score for that. And, uh, all kinds of weird stuff that I picked up. Just odd. I'm looking on. I'm looking on eBay now. Here's Lala Schifrin's roller coaster for six dollars on on LP. Wow. How did I miss that? I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get that. Well, anyway. Uh yeah, so uh, well, there's a couple other things here worth me. How about the crush well, from 1993? How about that? Alicia Silverstone, <laughs> Screen Factory opted for a special edition on that one. <laughs> you know, it's it's you know it's not it's not horrible. No, it's, it's, it's not. I mean, it's it's what it's it's her calling card, I guess. Wouldn't yeah. that be her calling yeah. card? I mean, yeah. I mean that, yeah. that and of course clueless, but uh, but yeah, I mean if you're an Alicia Silverstone fan, those mm. are, those are the two movies you have to have, you know. Because it ain't excess baggage, it ain't hideaway. I mean, <laughs> true. She's another person that should have been. Uh, I mean, why why couldn't she? She just she just uh, she just dropped out too. I mean, like you know, I thought she was going to be a major star after Clueless, and then she just yeah. didn't, she didn't really capitalize on it. She was Clueless. She was Clueless. Clueless. I know that she's doing stage work now, uh, on you know, off off Broadway stuff, and uh, yeah. that's, that's good. So. Yeah, and she chews her food for her children. Yeah, I, I was going to say I read that. that. Yeah, that's... Remember what? that big uh, controversy? Yeah. Yes. What? She chews her food for her kids? <laughs> yes. True. Yeah, yeah, not cut the food. She chews it. You know that yep. skit in Saturday Night Live where the, the, the man comes to the house for the first time or the family chews their food and then spits it up in each other's mouths? It's actually a skit <laughs> on Saturday Night Live. It is one of the... Jaw-dropping skits that they've ever done. I'm like, I can't believe they actually went through with doing the skit, but it's a real thing. Have you seen that skit? I think I have seen that. Isn't, aren't they supposed to be like birds or something? They're, or yeah, they eat. They eat like birds. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, right. It's been yeah, a while, I've but seen yeah. that. Yeah, that was that was uh, that was stunning when that was first played. Yeah. Okay. So how about uh, the return of a man called Horse? With, uh, yeah, that was well. There was three of those, weren't there? I believe that was. Yes, there was. There was a triumph of a man called Horse, right? Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of there was a lot of man called Horse. I mean, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and then there was a then there was a fourth film called Something Big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting oh, for the joke about the unsinkable Molly Brown uh, being on the Titanic, but we didn't get that joke. <laughs> oh, did you tell a joke about that? Tell it again. No, I was just waiting for somebody to make one. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, now uh, the 1986 version of Stagecoach, which uh, oh, one of my colleagues got this review disc, and he was telling me at a screening the other night. He said it's really bad. He said it's really. I've I've tried to watch it and I couldn't get ten minutes in it, into it. And yeah. it's got a really huge cast. I mean, it's it Ben Crosby and 
and uh, and Margaret, and all, mm-hmm. just lots of lots of interesting people in it. But boy, it doesn't. There's a Slim Pickens in there, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's not good at all. No, it's not. It's uh, yeah, it's, it is John Schneider and Elizabeth Ashley, and a- even Anthony Newley. Anthony Francioza. Anthony Newley, oh my God! <laughs> yeah, I swear it's true. If he can't save it, no one can. <laughs> and and Jesse Coulter, uh, you don't see her acting very often. And, and yeah. David Allen Coe. David Allen Coe. But, uh, that is yeah, crazy. I, David Allen Coe is in it. That's nuts. yeah, he is. Yeah, it's uh like I said, one of my colleagues had gotten it and he just told me, he said, Adam, it's really bad. <laughs> he said I didn't realize that. I said, Okay, I'll skip it. I'm not I'm not requesting that title, so <laughs> anyway. Uh, um anyway, uh so how about Fantastic Planet? The animated uh criterion uh is putting that out. This is the nineteen seventy three animated film Fantastic Planet. Which I've never seen. Yeah, Renee Leloo, I think, or, yep. uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's nuts. It was a it was a big hit in the in the in the mid seventies. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, one of the few um, you know non Disney animated movies, you know, animated movie for adults, really, and uh, and uh, it's it's interesting visually. Uh, I get impatient with it. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but if you're a fan of sci-fi, I think you're. I think it's something that you have to see, and certainly a lot of people who've never seen it will be seeing it now that it's on Criterion. Oh uh, yeah. So um, so you know, good for that. Good for them. Yeah. So um, 99 River Street from 1953. Now I that's, that's a- funny. I just watched that. You know, uh, I just watched that on. Um, uh, on Amazon Prime, that mm-hmm. is very good. Um, John Payne. To, yeah, it, that's uh, you know you can find so many good uh, noir movies on Amazon Prime, uh, and uh, this was uh, one that I had never seen before, uh, but uh, I found very exciting. Um, it's from 1953, uh, like you said, with John Payne, Evelyn Keys, and. Yep. Uh, uh, directed by Phil Car- Carlson, who did mm-hmm. things like, um, yeah, K- Kansas City Confidential and and Phoenix uh, City Story. Phoenix City Story is also one of the greats, and he was yes. he. I guess it's probably his most famous movie is probably Walking Tall. I guess yeah from the from the early seventies, but yeah. he was a he's kind of an unsung uh, uh, unsung you know American auteur, you know kind mm-hmm. of. A, Almost, almost an independent uh, before we knew what independents were, and um, yeah. it's 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 very good. His most infamous movie would have to be Mitchell, though, because of its uh, inclusion on the Mystery Science Theater. So. <laughs> I would agree, and I would I would say that's probably the greatest episode of. I mean, yes. without being an expert on Mystery Science Theater, I mean, I've seen it, but I haven't seen. I haven't seen a thousand of them, but uh, Absolutely. but that one is is so freaking funny. It is. Uh, it's 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 amazing. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. But yeah, so. good old Phil Carlson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan. I must admit. So yeah. Uh, so if it's Tuesday, this must be Belgium. That's another uh, another Olive Films put that one out, and uh, I'll take Sweden. 
Another one from Olive. Yeah, they're, let's co- see they're trying to cover all of the movies, all the European movies, in celebration of the European Union. Yeah, let's, let's be honest. If this if this was the season, let's say Belgium is Suzanne Suzanne's finest hour. I mean, we we can't <laughs> deny her that. I mean, she's dead. We can't yeah. we can at least do her that. You know, little bit of generosity and say this is her, one of her better moments. I mean. Was she the lead in this? She's the, I've never seen it. Yeah, I think so, yeah. She didn't get yeah. to be a lead in very many movies, so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, that would she's be... She's got to take what she can get. I mean, come on. I mean. Well, she was, uh, uh, she was one of, I mean, absolutely, you know, like in The Birds. This is Suzanne Plachette. Uh, yeah. She, uh, in The Birds, she's, she's uh, every bit... Tippy Hedren's equal in terms of sexiness, and oh, uh, uh, I just I it's too bad that she didn't have more of a career. But luckily, she had you know the Bob Newhart show to mm-hmm. to really show people uh, how great she was. So, and her name was mentioned very memorably in uh, Throw Mama from the Train. Yep, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the coffee table book of women I'd like to pork. <laughs> Chapter one, <laughs> Suzanne Bouchette. <laughs> oh my God! Oh man. Well, uh, speaking of John Payne, though, Hidden Fear is another release from Kino. Uh, so I guess they're on a John Payne thing there. And uh, Cornbread <laughs> Earl and Me is yeah. another. Olive oh films. yeah. And I want to uh, see that. I've never seen that. That's one of those. Mid seventies black films that weren't really. It's not really. It's not an action film. It's more of a character piece, like like uh, Cooley High or Claudine mm-hmm. or you know those kind of things. And uh, I, I'd, I'd really like to check that out. Yeah. So and one other olive title from nineteen forty seven with William Hartnell, uh, and that's Appointment with Crime. So that's another one that uh, they they've issued. Okay. And so that that brings us up to I think this coming uh Tuesday when we have some uh, a couple of curiosity items there um we have um Doctor Strange Love being issued in a brand new Criterion edition and uh there's some really really good extras on this one I got to testify uh there's even a an excerpt from a 1980 TV interview on the Today show with Peter Sellers Ooh. um and that's on and there's all kinds of uh, audio uh interviews from the 60s with Kubrick on there uh there's uh, audio stuff with George C Scott and and Kubrick and uh just oh it's it's some really, really good extras, and it's a new 4K transfer. So, you know, at this point you're saying, well, what can they do with Dr. Strangelove that hasn't been done at at this point? But uh, they really have done themselves proud with this. Um, and they, you know, this was originally a Criterion Laserdisc. They put it out on Laserdisc years ago, but they, they have never put it out on the, uh, the DVD or, or Blu-ray until now. So, uh, So there you go. You That's know, it. I think I might the, go out one and of get the most, that. One of the most interesting uh, little mementos that I saw of, of Doctor Strange related to Doctor Strange Love was uh, mm-hmm. 
he was he and I think I posted it years ago. He was they were going to have an academy screening of it or something in November because it came out in January of '64. November they were going to have an academy screening of it or something, and they had to cancel it because the president was assassinated. And so there's a a letter signed by Stanley Kubrick explaining that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's that very was interesting. interesting. Yeah, I always absolutely. thought one of the uh, interesting. Uh, I'm sure this has that. This is that. Um, I guess they did these sort of fake interview films with um, uh, with George C. Scott and uh, Peter Sellers, where they're on the set of the film and they're talking, but they're leaving space for the uh, interviewer to ask the question. You know, later on. You know, mm-hmm. they're kind of fooling yeah. people into – they're trying to fool people into uh, into thinking that the interviewer is actually talking to them via phone on the set, you know, but it's just a elaborate sort of hoax. So you just – what you see is them just sitting there listening and then answering right. a question, and uh, I, I always thought that was fascinating. Yeah, they used to do uh, – they used to do that a lot back in the 60s, and uh, – there's it's funny cuz they they I remember the uh the song parodist uh Alan Sherman uh they found uh, Dr. Demento found a, one of those and he conducted a fake interview with Alan Sherman years after he had passed away because nobody <laughs> there were no there were no audio interviews of uh Alan Sherman you know uh, very few anyway and so uh that uh that was something that the, the, you know, those things turned up quite a bit in the 60s so mm. uh yeah but uh Anyway, uh, so a couple other things worth mentioning here. Uh, how about you're talking about those '70s disaster films? Well, how about Two Minute Warning from 1976? Oh God, another one. That's uh, it, it feels like it, I mean it's about a sniper at the Super Bowl. So that's right. But it, it, it feels like this. It still feels like the disaster never comes in that movie. I was, I was watching yeah. it. I was like, okay, when does the chaos start? Uh, and you know. I mean, uh, 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 who was in that? That was John Cassavetes. Uh, yeah, it was Charlton Heston's in it. Charlton Heston's in it, isn't he? Jack yes, Klugman. He is, yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and uh, and um, uh, David Jansen. David Jansen. Yeah. Joe Bridges, Martin Balsam. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. that's uh, it's directed by Larry Pierce, who is better known for The Other Side of the Mountain, Parts 1 and 2. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, Man, the Super he, Bowl really took a pounding in the seventies with disaster movies. Between that and Black it did, yeah. yeah, those were the same year too. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, yeah that was wait. good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very good. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, Two Minute Warning was one of these films that they added a bunch of stuff for the network television version. And, you know, in a lot of cases, that stuff did not work. It was horrible stuff that should have been left out. But this was, I remember it actually improved that film. It was one that actually made it better because it was really not a good film to begin with. But the stuff they added in actually just kind of made it, made it more tolerable, I guess you would say. So, and mm-hmm. It wasn't wasn't as bad. But it's not on the Blu-ray, unfortunately. They didn't include any of the, uh, the extra stuff. So, so this is the uh, intolerable edition. Yeah, this is the intolerable edition. That's right. So uh, anyway, you have a documentary here which I have not seen that I'm getting. I'm hearing good things about called Ray Harryhausen Special Effects Titan, 
and this was issued originally in 2011, so uh, this was when he was still uh, with us, and he participates here, and um, I hear this is just a spectacular documentary on the life and career of Ray Harryhausen, and the uh, the Blu-ray has just tons of extras here. It's being put out by uh, Arrow Video, and uh, there's interviews with Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, Peter Lord, Rick Baker, uh, interviews with Joe Dante, John Lasseter, Nick Park, uh, just all kinds of stuff like that. So uh, if you are a fan of Ray Harryhausen, as most of us are, uh, or appreciate his talents, then you might want to think about looking up Ray Harryhausen Special Effects Titan. And um, uh, there is uh, Arrow is also issuing the return of the Killer Tomatoes <laughs> for anybody who is looking to find that one. There it is. <laughs> Is that the one with George Clooney? Uh, b- I believe it is, yeah. yeah I think I George Clooney so. was in the original, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I... John Aston and George Clooney are in this one, so. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're both in that. So, and uh, I know Dean has a fondness for uh, films of the late 70s and the early 80s, and let's see if you remember this one. How about Movie Movie with George C. Scott? We talked about I mean, I remember that. It's a Stanley Donen film. It's not, I, I remember it not being bad. Uh, it's it's not great either, but, yeah, it's a Stanley Donen movie that's supposed to, pre, pre-Grindhouse, it's supposed to replicate the, uh, uh, the feeling of going to a double bill back in the thirties. Yep. Um, and I can't, I remember one of them's kind of like a backstage musical, uh, but I can't remember what the other one was. And, uh, of course, George C. Scott is the lead. And he plays the lead in both movies. Uh, and I'm sure Trish Vanderveer is in there since he was married to her. I'm not, I'm not quite sure, yeah. but, uh, and, uh, yes. So, so that's, that, there's, there's, I have a little curiosity for that. Yeah, I think I've never seen it, but I'm actually, I've always wanted to. I may have to do a, if they don't send me a copy of it, I may have to do a blind buy on this one because uh, mm. it actually actually has an introduction by George Burns that they've, uh, I think it was originally shot but not used, and they put it back in. And it has new interviews with uh, Harry Hamlin, and how about Kathleen Beller? Whatever happened to her? Well, I, I don't know that actually. name. That's a, she, that's, she's in the God, Godfather Part Two. Uh, she's in. Uh, um, um, who did she play uh, in Godfather Part Two? She's the girl uh, when in the sequence with the young uh, Vito. At, when uh, I think she's on stage when they're when they're at the uh, oh. sitting. You know that's the girl sweet. that's singing on stage. Okay. Or the one they're they're fascinated with. You know, she's long right. dark hair and oh. she's in Promises in the Dark with Marsha Mason and. She's in, you know, late seventies and on quite a few things, and then kind of fell off the map. But she's in this film. Okay. Too, so. There you go. But all right. Anyway, so I think that pretty well wraps it up for the month of June in terms of uh, what we've got on Blu-ray. I don't see any other. I think we dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's. Mm-hmm.